tonight out of the book of Isaiah, chapters 14 and chapter 27 regarding Lucifer. Chapter 14, starting verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nation. And so Lucifer, fallen from heaven. And we'll see another text that elaborates on this, that Lucifer being in heaven and being cast out of heaven and cast down. He was the son of the morning, he was referred to. Uh, a light uh, bearer, cut down, cut down from heaven and cut down to the ground. Lucifer, Lucifer who, uh, as we'll see, uh, was in heaven and cast down to this earth and becomes Satan. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. You catch what Lucifer's problem was? Pride, pride that's right. Pride, and, and pride is spelled with a, the middle of the word? I, that's right, pride. I is an I in the middle? Is that right? Right, pride is an I is in the middle, right, pride? And uh, I is in the middle of another word, another three-letter word, sin. That's right, sin. It's, it's, uh, and so we see here, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into the heavens. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. Right, so uh, Lucifer needed an optometrist. And he had an eye problem. Right? His eye was his, his problem. His eye was set above where God had called him to be. And God called him to be quite high up. God created him to be, again, we'll see in text, uh, quite high up, but he wanted to be higher than that. Not only just higher than the position God placed for him, that God created him for, he wanted to be higher than God. And that led to his downfall. God doesn't share his power, his prerogative, uh, with anyone else, because nobody is God. No one can be like God. No one can be higher than him. And so he was cut down from heaven. Yet you were... Be, you will be brought down to Sheol, to the grave, to the lowest depths of the pit. Right? And so what happens, what's going to happen to Lucifer? The Bible tells us what's going to happen to Lucifer. Not only it tells us what had happened and what's going to happen. He was in heaven and he was cast down to this earth, down to the lowest pit, and we brought down to the grave, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you, saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble? who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners. There's also an indication of what's going to happen to this earth, too. This world will become a wilderness, and the cities will be destroyed. We've looked at that in other texts, in Isaiah and other parts of the Bible. This world will be destroyed. This world will become a vacant, vast wilderness. 
Verse 18, still in chapter 14 of Isaiah, all the kings of the nations, all of them sleep in glory, everyone in his own house, but you're cast out of the grave like an abominable branch, like the garments of those who are slain, thrust through with the sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like a corpse trodden underfoot. Future for Lucifer, now Satan, does not look good. It's good for us, not good for him. Verse 24, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24, the Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. And as I have purposed, so it shall stand. Verse 27, for the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? When the Lord thinks of something, it's going to happen. When the Lord purposed something, it's going to happen. When the Lord desires something to be, it will be. And that is, praise the Lord, that's right, that is a wonderful promise. We can hold God's promises in his word that he said, thus it will be, and so it was. God purposed for this world, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be earth, and there was earth. Let there be seas, and there was seas. Let there be animals, and there was animals. And the same power that brought the earth into existence will destroy Lucifer, and the same word of the Lord that gives promises to us will come to pass. Your sins will be forgiven. Boom, they are forgiven. And claim any of the promises of God. Because what the Lord purposes, surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. As I have purposed, so it will stand. The Lord purposes for us will take place. Now there is one power that God has placed in this world that is more powerful than what God has purposed. And that's the power of free choice that he has given to us. We can reject his purposes for our lives if we so choose. But we can also claim his purposes from his word, and by faith, they will be a reality. Amen. The choice comes to us. Whether we believe it or choose not to believe it, the choice is ours. Verse 28, this is the burden which came in the year that King Ahaz died, which is very interesting. King Ahaz was not a good king. And so he dies, and the Lord brings this vision to, to, to Isaiah about Lucifer at that time and how his destruction and his downfall will come. And then the king after Ahaz is Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, who's a good king, who reigns as a good king for a, a long time, I think it's 33 years. And so the transition taking place. Isaiah doesn't write when all of his prophecies took place, when all the visions uh, he received take place. But this one he specifically mentions, which is, again, think, interesting, and maybe because of this transition that's taking place, as we're going to see, there's a transition from the destruction of Lucifer, who was wicked, downfall of Ahaz, the death of Ahaz, and then the bringing in of Hezekiah, and after Lucifer, a whole new thing takes place. So now, to do that, we're going to look at another chapter. We're going to look at another chapter in Isaiah, but first we're going to look at a portion of a chapter of Ezekiel which talks a lot about uh, Lucifer from Ezekiel chapter 28. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. 
Okay, so twice he mentions perfect. Seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. And we're going to see beauty come up here again as well. But twice he's perfect. He was created perfect. And he was in Eden. So he was in heaven and he was also in Eden. So we're seeing a connection. Those were cast down from heaven, cast to this earth. Here he is in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone is his covering. So decked in the beauty of God's precious stones. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Okay, so Lucifer was an angel, a cherub in heaven who covers. And he was created. He's a created being, created by God. But not created to be Satan, created to be perfect in all his ways. Perfect in wisdom. Perfect in beauty. God created him perfectly. The fault is not in God. God didn't create a, a defective uh, angel, that he had a recall or something like that. But even Lucifer had free choice. And he exercised that free choice to deny God. So he was anointed cherub who covers. Well, what does this anointed cherub mean? What does that mean about him? Well, in the, in the, in the most holy place, I, I will excel, I exalt myself to the most high. Well, in the most high, in the most holy place, in the Kodesh Kodeshim of the, of the Mishkan, the, Mishkan, the, the sanctuary, is the Ark of the Covenant, in the earthly sanctuary, the Ark of the Covenant. On top of the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat. And then there are two cherubs that cover the Ark of God, that cover the mercy seat. And inside the Ark of God is the Ten Commandments. And so these two angels have been assigned to cover the Ark of God, the Ten Commandments, the Mercy Seat. And this whole Ark of God, this whole earthly sanctuary topology uh, can easily represent God's throne in heaven. That's in, it can be the indication in Revelation. That God's throne room in heaven is the most holy place. God's Shekinah glory dwelt in the earthly sanctuary above the Mercy Seat. And so God's presence sitting on the Mercy Seat with angels on either side covering over him as guardians uh, or, or, or servants to, to God on either side. And so Lucifer very well could have been one of the angels that was assigned a position next to God. Still a created being, still an angel, still lower than God, but right at the throne of God, and that wasn't enough for him. Mentioned his timbrels and his pipes, no doubt, in beauty. And so he was created beautiful, and, and the pipes and timbrels might have been his musical ability, singing the praises of God, surrounded with the rainbow of God, seeing all the angels coming to God and worshiping before God's throne. And he got jealous of that adoration and wanted it for himself. And the eye was lifted up. So Lucifer, in the middle of Lucifer, is an eye as well. They wanted God's throne itself. Important to be content with godliness and contentment. 
There's joy in contentment. In whatever state God has us for where we are, always striving and growing, but content all along the way. Not content in just stagnating, but content at every stage in our growth with God and his purpose for us. Back to Ezekiel, chapter 28 still, verse 15. You were perfect, third time, perfect. You are perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. So Lucifer chose to sin. Perfect, again, created perfect until he chose to sin, and sin was found within him. And he sinned. Turned against God, rebelled against God, Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. Just like Isaiah, cast out of heaven. Cast out as a profane thing. Created being of God. Placed next to God's throne. No doubt God loves Lucifer. Created him. Had him by his side. But then for him to turn, who knows for how many millennial or how many billions or zillions of years he was in that position before he chose to want God's throne itself. God has to cast him out as a profound thing. In Revelation 12, verse 7, it says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Now Lucifer is described by another term, described as a dragon. And there's war taking place in heaven. So Lucifer gathers and convinces one-third of God's angels who also saw the beauty of God and the power of God and the glory of God. And he convinces them that maybe he has a better way. That God is maybe too restrictive. God has too many rules. God asks too much of them. God is too demanding of them. Who put him in charge anyway? I sit there all the time. I know what goes on. And if I was in charge, there'd be a chicken in every pot, three-day work week. Life would be a lot easier. Wouldn't be so restrictive, be able to do whatever you want. Have more leisure time. Who knows what he sold them on? But sold them that his ways were better than God's ways. And one third of all the myriads and myriads of angels believe the lie. If we don't think we can be deceived, if we don't think we could be tripped up, if we don't think we can be tempted and fall, but one third of the angels who had never sinned fell. Lucifer himself fell. Adam and Eve were tricked. You think you're created more perfectly than they were? You think you were created more perfectly than Lucifer? That it couldn't happen to you? That you couldn't fall? That you couldn't be deceived? That even just from within we could be tempted with pride, with arrogance, with selfishness, with greed, 
power, hungering for power, lust, lust for power, corruption. And we don't need Lucifer to tempt us. There was a comedian who used to say, the devil made me do it. Well, the devil doesn't make us do anything. He tempts us. But the choice is still ours. But who tempted Lucifer? We don't need the devil to sin. We could sin pretty good on our own. <laughs> Lucifer sinned without a Lucifer. Some people think, well, once Lucifer is gone, there will be no more sin because there's no more Lucifer. Well, again, then Lucifer sinned without a Lucifer. And so we can't pass the buck onto him. We sin because we choose to sin. He sinned because he chose to sin. And just as God has given us power to choose to sin, God has given us power to choose God's righteousness to give us the power and authority not to sin. We can choose to accept the Messiah's sacrifice in our behalf to cleanse us from the carnal nature that we're born with. Lucifer wasn't born with a tendency to sin. Lucifer was born perfect in all his ways. Perfect, perfect. Perfect in beauty, perfect in wisdom. We're not. We're born imperfect, imperfect, imperfect. <laughs> We're born sinful, carnal, and corrupt. Our heart is deceitful and above all things desperately wicked. So if perfect angel in heaven sitting behind, uh, 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 next to God's throne was able to choose to reject the beauty of heaven, by himself, how much more can we? That is why we need to be so dependent on God every moment of the day, trusting not in self, lean not as Solomon wrote, lean not in our own understanding, but in all your ways, rely on him. All our ways. Trust not in self. Trust in him. Trust in the Lord God. Be in God's word. Be surrendered moment by moment. Lord, not your, my will, but your will be done. It to be our attitude and our thought, moment by moment, decision by decision, action by action. Because if we trust in self and rely in self, we will fall. And if we think I can't be deceived, if we think I can't fall, well, pride cometh before the fall. Be humble before God, surrendered before God, dependent upon God. So in the beauty of heaven, a war took place. Michael and his angels against the devil, dragon, Lucifer and his angels. And fighting in heaven itself. War in heaven itself. Who knows what kind of weapons were in this warfare? how bloody it got, or how it exactly took place. But God will reveal it in his time. Heaven will have a long time to see the playback of all that took place there. Right? The Bible is not the history of God. It's not the history of the universe. It's only the short history of this earth. That's all that is. So there's a whole bigger book with a whole lot more stories in it that we haven't gotten to read yet. 
God gives us a little glimpse in this verse and a couple others of what happens. War in heaven. Chapter 12, still Revelation, verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, just like Ezekiel said, just like Isaiah said. The great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. He's called Lucifer, he's called the devil, he's called the dragon, he's called the serpent, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, again, just like Isaiah said. And his angels were cast out with him. The Bible tells us that on God's side, there are myriads and myriads and myriads of angels, 10,000 times 10,000 of angels, beyond number. That's a lot. And so there were more to begin with, and one-third of the more were cast down to this earth. Sometimes when you get talking about the devil and his angels, some people say, well, it sounds like you think there's a, an evil a devil behind every rock. I don't believe that. I believe there's at least two evil angels behind every rock. <laughs> one third of all the angels of heaven were cast down to one, one little tiny planet. I mean, we're not even the biggest planet in our little solar system. Tiny little place. They were all crammed here. Probably tripping over each other all the time, you know? <laughs> Fighting over who can deceive us, you know? Just, right? I mean, the Bible talks about even just one person with a whole host of demons in that one person. They're, they have overcrowding issues, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no wonder they're so unhappy, right? <laughs> That's why we. That's right. But for every two angels, well, for every evil angel that is on this planet, God has two heavenly angels. And God is all-powerful. And God gives power to his angels. And God's angels beat their, the devils and the dragons' angels in heaven and cast them down. And he is still able to defeat them and still able to fight in our behalf. The weakest dependent person relying on God is more powerful than all the evil angels combined. Because it's not in us, it's not in ourselves, it's the dependency on God. And God is more powerful than them all. God will empty out all of heaven, if necessary, to save one of his children, crying out in faith, Lord, help me. Lord, save me. Lord, help my unbelief. God is still alive and on his throne. And will do battle for us. The angel of the Lord encamps around about those and delivers them who fear God. Fear God, dependent upon God, trusting in God. The angels were cast out, the evil angels were cast out, cast down to this earth, and the devil who deceives the whole world. That's what they do. They go around deceiving the world. The world is deceived. The world doesn't even believe the devil is real. I think he has red, red horns and pitchfork, and he's in charge of hell. Totally deceived over. And he laughs at that caricature 
takes on many forms that you deceive Eve, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, Satan. The Bible says he appears as an angel of light. People think, oh, I saw an angel, or I saw my a dead loved one. The devil is able to appear as an angel of light, able to appear as a dead loved one, familiar spirit, the Bible calls it. That's right, watch out, because the Bible says don't talk to them. I will destroy you, O covering cherub. Verse 16, still in Ezekiel 28. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. He was perfect in beauty. God gave him perfect beauty. God clothed him in the precious stones. God gave him a beautiful voice. But he chose to glorify in his beauty. And because of that, pride in his beauty and his talents and his abilities, thinking he was better than all the angels, and he was placed in a better position, but then even better than God, that pride went to his heart, and his heart was lifted up. Thus God will destroy him. Strong words. I brought fire, verse 18, still from Ezekiel 28, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you. Pretty complete. And I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. You have become a horror and shall no more be forever. Thank the Lord. Those are pretty complete words. I will destroy you, bring fire from the midst. And we read, and the earth will become a lake of fire, ball of fire. Or fire from you, it devoured you and turned it so much. We read this last week that God will do to the wicked. They will have, they would, the fire will be so hot. Again, hot, uh, hell is hotter than most people think. Most people think it's just a warming place. You just warm the food there. It does more than warm, it does more than cook. It devours, it burns to ashes. Nothing left, we read in the text last week. All from Isaiah. And there's plenty of other texts in the Peter and other places in the Bible. Turns you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. So where will the devil be destroyed? On the earth. Where is hell? We're sitting in it. <laughs> this place is hell. You're right. The next time you hear someone say that, man, this is hell. You're right. <laughs> Not quite yet, but it's going to be. <laughs> Is it hotter than hell here? Well, not yet. <laughs> Just wait. Hang tight. He becomes ashes upon the earth. God burns up this whole earth so intense with fire that everything, the elements melt with fervent heat, Second Peter tells us. And it's burned up becomes ashes, the whole thing, all the garbage here. I mean, we can't even clean up our own garbage anymore. We've got dead spots that fish can't even live in the Gulf of Mexico. We've got dead spots in the Pacific. Huge things, huge dead spots. Dead spots on this earth that nothing will grow and nuclear waste and problems. How are we going to clean that up? There's no way we could. God's got to clean it up. He's going to destroy the whole thing, burn the whole thing up. And everything in it, including Lucifer, and his evil angels, 
and the wicked will be burned up and will become ashes upon the earth. Right here. All be destroyed. Of course, the Lord takes us out first. Takes us to heaven, to the mansions he's preparing for us first. Then he'll destroy Satan and all the evil angels. And then out of the ashes, he creates the new heaven and the new earth. Turns them to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. We will get to see it happen. We will be in the new Jerusalem. And the wicked will be raised, the second resurrection, to receive their second death. The Revelation tells us they will go up on the face of the earth and go to attack the city. And then the fire comes down from God out of heaven and destroys them, turns this whole earth into a lake of fire, and we will see it, just as it says here, upon the face of the earth, in the sight of all who saw you. We will get to see the devil burn. Yeah, he's not in charge of hell. That's where he gets destroyed. That's where he gets devoured. That's where he becomes, you have become a horror and shall be no more forever. This whole teaching that the devil is in charge of hell and he's there forever living in hell, playing cards with people and, and drinking and carousing and poking people. That's not what the Bible says. That's what the devil wants us to believe. But he's not in charge of anything. He's going to be destroyed, devoured, and be no more forever. God told Adam and Eve, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And the devil said, don't worry, you won't surely die. He doesn't believe he's going to die. But the Bible says, he will be no more. He will be destroyed. He will be devoured. He will be nothing but ashes. God's fire is so hot, there's not even a coal to warm yourself by. Nothing but ashes. Dry ashes that becomes fertilizers for the new earth. Praise God. We won't have to worry about Lucifer flying around heaven somewhere, run into him by accident, take a wrong turn and end up in hell. No. He will be destroyed forever. Hallelujah. Yeah, God's heaven is not going to have some place, there's going to be some burning going on. He's smelling some smoke somewhere. I mean, could you imagine that? Would that be heaven? You hear your loved one who chose not to follow the Lord crying out to you? Not the center of the earth. There'll be no more. Now let's look at Isaiah chapter 27. In that day, the last day, referring to the last days, in that day the Lord will sever his sword great and strong and will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. So here again, just like Revelation calls him the serpent, serpent, Isaiah calls him the serpent. Genesis calls him the serpent, that he took a form of a serpent, and punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, that twisted serpent, he will slay the reptile that is in the sea. So God pulls out his sword, his two-edged sword, and he slays the serpent, kills the serpent, doesn't just imprison him, imprisons him for a time, but then slays him, kills him, and kills him where? That is in the sea. 
the earth again becomes a lake of fire, a sea of fire, a ball of fire. Slays them in the sea. So Revelation, Ezekiel, Isaiah, all saying the same thing. In that day, sing to her, a vineyard of red wine, I, the Lord, keep it. I water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I keep it night and day. So the devil is destroyed. He is slain. And then God creates the new heavens and new earth. And he calls us to rejoice. He makes a vineyard for us. He keeps it. He waters it moment by moment, day by day. And there is no more hurt. Lest any hurt it, God protects it. Verse 4. Fury is not in me. Who would... So God says, it's not my character. It would be a strange act for me to destroy the wicked. And that's what Isaiah said. His strange act, his unusual act. Fury is not in me. Who would set briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together. Right? So God says, it's not my character to want to burn and destroy. That's not my desire. But if someone comes against me and puts in battle, in war, and puts briars and thorns against me, I'm going to go through and burn them down. That's exactly what the Bible said. It's going to burn them up. So he made war with him. And so God will go through and burn them together. The wheat and the tares will grow together, and then the time of the harvest, in that last day, he takes the wheat, he gathers it up, he brings it to his barn, and he takes the tares, and he gathers them together. And what does he do with them? He burns them up. Verse 5, take hold of my strength, make peace with me. Those who come, he shall cause to take root in Jacob. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. So we have the contrast. The devil and one-third of the angels that followed him. Lucifer beauty in all of his ways, lifted up, rebelled against God. And we have God, mighty and strong, loving and merciful, who takes his children and builds them up. Take hold of my strength, he invites us. Make peace with him, make peace with God. Find shalom in the Lord. And those who come, come to the Lord. Come to him. Come to him with all your heart. Surrender the pride. Surrender the selfishness. Surrender the corruption. Surrender the carnal heart. Surrender the evil impulses. Come to him, and he will cause you to take root in Jacob. And Israel will blossom and bud. Out of the ashes, he'll cause us to fill the world with his fruit. He'll create the new heavens and the new earth. what God wants to use us for. So we have a choice. Whether we want to blossom and bloom with the Lord, whether we want to live with him forever, whether we want to multiply by his grace and by his power to receive of his goodness, to receive of his heart, to receive his loving kindness, to receive his forgiveness, to receive his transforming power, or whether we want to try, continue and do what's natural. Follow the carnal nature. Just do it. Go with the flow. Go with our heart. 
go with what we want over what God wants. That's our choice. It's our choice tonight. That's our choice every day. Whom will we choose? Whom will we serve? May we say like with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Choose the Lord. Choose to surrender to his throne. Choose to surrender to his love. Walk in his grace. So as we pray together, we can rejoice in the prediction and that God purposes it, God determines it, God thought it, it will happen. Satan will be destroyed. We can thank God for that. That is a surety. That will happen. That will come to pass. We can thank God for his grace and his mercy and his salvation through his sacrifice for us, through his love for us. We can receive of his goodness. We can receive of his salvation as we pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we praise your name, Lord, for your mercy and your grace, and we thank you for your power and your love. We're thankful that nothing will stand against you. Lord, we want to surrender our lives to you, and we want to bow before you. We want you to remove out of us everything that's not of heaven. We want you to fill us with your glory, fill us with your mind, and fill us with your character. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.